which which do do good work <laughs> to do. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a better way of saying that. <laughs> that's um, kind of. Hi guys, you're listening to another episode of the Drunken Ramblings podcast. <laughs> it's right. Ernie here. Hi guys, Joel here. And Ivan in the house. And today, <laughs> one of my friends from Writer's Lab, uh, Roshan. Stop. Or what was it just now? Rohan. Roshan. 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 Yes. Hello. I'm just trying not to ASMR. Yes. Hello. Sup. Yo. Roshan. Roshan, right? Yeah, so I know Roshan from the Writer's Lab course, like a script writing thing. And I would say that he is one of the most positive guys in the class, I would say. Thank you. In terms of vibes and <laughs> feedback and everything. We feel it right now already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I know you can I'm feel it, right? After yeah. talking to him for... It's like, five, it's always minutes. very positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's I try, man. I try. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and, and it really comes off. I think you make people feel it. And like Joel said, you know... Spill onto me, so yeah. now I'm feeling high already. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really... I mean, that's a good thing, right? I hope it's so, one man. one of the best things. Yeah, so I know I don't talk much in class also, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. You, you would kind of stare into the wall for about Very two silent. minutes before revealing that you were paying attention the whole time <laughs> with like five questions. Okay, to be honest, what's your first impression of Ernie? Like, I mean, he don't talk a lot. He looks like an Asian mafia kind of thing, just sitting in his corner. Uh, like, like Godfather He's kind of de- yeah. definitely the silent type. The silent type. So you, you do kind of look at Ernie and you go, well, what, what's happening under there? <laughs> what's? And then every time I think for the first three or four times we met, I'm like, oh, I think you're this kind of person. I'm like, oh, no, I mean, he's not this kind of person. He surprises you it's, in yeah, certain ways. Yeah, just constantly surprising <laughs> until you settle into like, oh, okay, I get your vibe now. Yeah. You're just really chill, yeah. really nice. That's, that's the most chill it. guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. It takes me a while to warm up, I guess. Yeah. Usually, like, if I go for a course, I only become pretty close to people, like, at the end of the course. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Man. Sizing people up, like, then you get to know them at the end. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I so guess I do that a lot. You guys met while you were in a course together, a writing course? Yes, oh. which was about... Three months? Four months? Four months? Sounds yeah. Right. Okay, this was back when in year... One nine. Oh. And right before disasters. Yeah. Ah. And it was after you've already released a Temujin. Uh, during the during production the process. Ah. So we were doing both at the same time. Ah, okay, okay. Interesting. Yeah, so I wanted to get you on this podcast because, I mean, we are looking to get podcasters on <laughs> and sort of build like a community of podcasters. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully in Singapore. And I think you represent, what you created represents a completely different genre of podcast, Mm -hmm. which is pretty unique. But we'll get into that later. (laughs) Maybe we'll talk a little bit about you first. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe you want to share a little bit about what you do, your day job, cool, whatever, interests. Cool. Um, I'm bad at this question, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna freestyle it. Uh, I, I guess you could say I'm a media professional, uh, which is kind of like a meaningless catch-all term. I um I don't have a day job. Um, I'm self-employed. Oh wow. Uh, but then I'm also extremely busy. Um, because I think the nature of my job as like a both a producer and somebody who's like a like a creative head usually is. Uh, if I'm not working on something, I am talking money and deals and all that stuff and building teams to try to make the next thing. Wow, so it's kind of a nonstop cycle of like um, we set stuff up and, uh, you know, if we're lucky, we get to execute on it and pay a whole bunch of people to come along the right. Oh, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah. How long have you been self-employed ever since you graduated? From yeah, school? ever since graduating. Oh. 
you've never thought of like you know working for a company you already knew from then like okay you know what? i'm going to set up my own company i'm going to do my own stuff uh, thought of it constantly mm-hmm. uh applied to a whole bunch of places um just to explore the option mm-hmm. and i'm very lucky that none of the places i applied to said yes right. um, it was a blessing in disguise <laughs> right. i think so man i think so um because looking back at the stuff the places that rejected me uh, i can't imagine how different my life would be if i were actually working at those places mm. that i initially thought i wanted yeah. Yeah. What kind of jobs you you try to apply in the beginning? Oh, a bunch of everything, man. Like a media uh, related jobs, right? N- not at all. No. Uh so I always loved teaching. I still love teaching. So the first thing I did was I tried going to higher education, okay. seeing if I could do any like um like working for whatever private places and thinking like okay, like maybe if I teach part-time, like teach at a place like that, mm-hmm. uh, that would give me stability to do creative stuff on the side. Uh, but even those places, I think um, generally the sense I got was like, uh, I was the kind of person who would like make it to almost consideration. Oh, you know, your interview was great, oh, but man. there was another candidate. And oh. that happened a few times. And then I'm like, okay, so maybe that isn't working out. Let me try applying to work with games. So I saw, I know that Ubisoft was in the area. And oh, I'm like, okay. Okay, maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, Assassin's Creed fan, Far Cry fan. All right. uh, <laughs> Good choice, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I applied to them, I think, seven, seven times. Seven times? Uh, oh, that's a seven lot Seven times before I got an interview. Uh, and on the eighth time, I got the interview uh, and they ended up needing to cancel my interview the oh day beforehand God. because I was overqualified. Yeah. How is such a thing? And I, apparently, I had no on. idea. Um, I got this lovely email back saying, like, look, you, we love that you applied. Um, and we know that you applied for, like, a, uh, something for people out of college. Mm-hmm. But given that you're slightly over a year out of college, um, you're over, you know, you have this wealth of experience. Mm. Um, and they, they said, due to your wealth of experience, <laughs> we cannot consider you for this position. Man. <laughs> It sounds like they just wanted to reject you. Now. Yeah, I, I don't know whether to take it as like yeah. a compliment. Thank you for complimenting yeah. me that I'm overqualified, but I'm not in like <laughs> in good enough for your job or something like that. You yeah. know, oh, yeah, in hindsight, I'll just take what I'll take the praise I can get. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and I think yeah. same thing. Same thing with the education stuff is I realized like I think for instance, and this is kind of like the larger trend I would use to describe myself as a professional, which is like if I can't find someone who will employ me to do a certain thing I want to do, mm-hmm. what I've learned is like I'll oh, just do that thing. Lah. So like if I can't work with Ubisoft to make a game. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought process these days is well okay how what would it take to make a game actually and once i know that can i just make one nice. <laughs> and just jump straight to that so that's, that's a great yeah. mindset to have huh thanks man yeah. <laughs> like you don't let it beat you down you know it's just like think about like there's always another way to do it right yeah i mean you get beat down i think everybody gets beat down yeah and it's a lie to say that like oh you know you don't feel sad um but i think the way i deal with the beating down and the way i deal with the sadness is to try to like figure out what to do mm. after mm. and then yeah how was your whole education like? You know, like you, mm-hmm. you, you came from Yale and US, right? That's yeah, all. that's right. Yeah. What were you studying? I graduated with um, arts and humanities, but uh, mm. I came in as a whole life science student. Mm. Oh, so, so you did a switch halfway. I did. I was I one of those stereotypes. Who <laughs> 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 um, got a taste of like arts in uni. I'm like, oh, okay, not bad. Huh? <laughs> so no, so no, you love it, like you fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's better to do the switch then than to do it like halfway through your career. True, right? true. Right? Mm. Yeah. Do you feel like that's common in Singapore for like people to like graduate and start working and then have this moment of epiphany? Yes, yes. very common. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, the sad, the sad ones are those who go through their masters and PhD and to only realize that you know, hey, this is not for me. Mm. So I think it was good that you made the, the switch at a very, very early stage. Thanks, man. Yeah. You look like you're enjoying like, the I arts am. and the creative industry a lot more. 
I am. I definitely am. I can't imagine you in like a life science <laughs> like a laboratory, you know, taking down data. So I spent um, about a year, a year and a half working in an fMRI lab. Uh, oh. And my specialty was, um, so neuroscience uh, and psychology, but like working memory was wow. my big thing. Oh, okay. um, and, and I, I did enjoy it. What it came down for me was like, let's say that you're going into the life sciences because you have an interest in people and how they work, right? Or like in, in what makes a person sort of, uh, what are the sums of the different parts that make them who they are and how do those parts interface with each other? That's what brought me to psychology. Mm-hmm. And I think what I realized the process of psychology is, it's very data-driven, right? It's very empirical and it's very, you have to set very well-defined experiments to test very well-defined things. And yeah. I think it was very micro Ooh, for me. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When you think of psychology, you think it's a lot more emotional, a lot more <laughs> human yeah, yeah but the psychologists well. yeah. we speak to is yeah. like a lot more process and data driven mm. yeah, yeah. 100% you're, you're totally right and I think that that surprised me because I realized I was one of those people who went in having read like a bit of Freud a bit of Jung um, and like a bit of like all these people who are like I think psycho- the nature of psychology and I realized mm. that the early psychologists that I, I really loved um, when they were working like early-ish 20th century um, funny enough that was actually parallel to the rise of theater as theory um, huh at least modern theater is theory. So you okay. get like Stanislavski, right? Like looking at like um, character yeah. and like what makes a character um, at the exact same time that people were beginning to think seriously about like the brain and mm. rather about the mind, right? Like, like what makes who you who you are. Hmm. Um, so I think I realized that psychology and theater, right? Um, theater, there's always been a sense that theater is kind of like a playground or a testing ground for the way people work. And I was very, very interested in that, right? So I thought, okay, let me take my interest in how people work and bring that to like drama, right? Mm. And drama, not in the sense of like Channel 8 drama, but yes. drama in the sense of like, <laughs> um, like, like what, what, ma- what are the elements of a good story? And like Ernie, I'm sure you, you, you and I have heard this. Yeah, went through it. <laughs> to them. Like, but like the three-act structure, right? Like yeah. um, what is the rise and the fall and how does conflict test and reveal aspects of human personality yep. um, in a way that's interesting to us to hear and learn about. That's that's great. That's, well, that's a so kind of testing yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. That is because there's nothing like the test of like crafting a story and seeing it bomb in front of a group of people. No mm. reaction. Someone yawns. Mm. Um, you know, versus you 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 tweak, you test, you try out something else, mm. and suddenly people are like, oh, that felt a lot better. Um, there is something empirical about that, and the part of me that loves psychology as a science student, mm-hmm. I love that about drama and like crafting mm. stories now. Oh, okay. Were you very passionate in drama and theater even before yeah. uni? Like uh, first play I ever wrote was a 24-hour play competition. In, not a competition. Oh, okay. it was, how, how does that work? So that was a beautiful thing that Yale and US had where like you can try to basically sign up for it. Anybody could sign up for it. Uh, so someone like me, I'd never written a play before. I'd never okay. written anything like that before. Uh, you stay up all night from like, let's say, 8 p.m. to like 6 a.m. Okay. And you like write like a short script. Mm. Then you hand that off to directors in the morning who wake up early and they're like, okay, they receive your script they have a bunch of actors they try to make it by 5pm 5pm we wake up (laughs) we like stumble downstairs uh, and we watch these people put up uh, like low budget production oh my god that's fascinating it was amazing interesting so you get to literally see your your work come to life in less than a day exactly wow exactly Exactly. it's like a hackathon it's exactly (laughs) exactly that's exactly I used to think of hackathons as like 24 hour plays for recording basically (laughs) yeah Yeah. interesting Um, if I hadn't been exposed to that I don't think I ever would have like really fallen into theatre I don't know how I could have but that sounds like a really amazing experience to get exposed to 
I wish everybody yeah. could try it, man. I wish everybody it's really could try interesting. It. Yeah. Yeah. So you saw like a flyer for it, you know, on like the hallway kind of thing. And you said, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to try it. Exactly. And you did it. Yeah. And that was what spurred you on this journey now. Exactly. Because I think like wow. you always know a sense of what you like, right? And like, even though I never like wrote a play before, mm-hmm. um, I've always <coughs> been somebody who loves going to like watch movies when they come out. Who loves like um like even watching like filmed version of plays? I never went mm. to the theater much, but like if it was on YouTube or if it was like showing on TV, mm. I would sit down and get like happily watch it. Um, I've been playing games since like I owned a Game Boy Color. Oh, nice! Um, yes, <laughs> you know, and like <laughs> so you're a gamer, uh, you know, uh, yeah, a very very big gamer. Hardcore. I think I I like um these days I say that like I try to watch and consume a bit of everything, but I think even like as a kid, uh, I loved the retreat of like storytelling and fiction. But most people do. I think the main thing yes. is turning that love into like like I think what what was the killer thing for me and the reason I said yes to that poster was the temptation to make something like the stuff I love was very very strong. Wow. Cover so up. this is how like you were um, most of the time when you're growing up you're playing games or going to watch movies. So you had a, kind of a creative mind from the beginning. I, I think there's a very thin line between a creative mind mm. and somebody who just enjoys things. Oh, okay. Uh, I would say okay. I was just somebody who enjoyed things. Okay, um, but you see that you know you you want to yeah. create things like you no, know, there's this burning thing in you like you always want to create some stuff. Is it from the way you? I think it's, it's for me it, yeah. it's totally linked to is just enjoying things mm. uh, when I really like my, my favorite movie since like four years old has been like Prince of Egypt oh okay um, just because like you know the music and the art oh, music's so good the right? <laughs> no it's just like yeah like Hans Zimmer at his best right like yeah. like a decade before Boa Boa we had like <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, and you see that in Temujin as well like my love with Prince of Egypt is that where like a bit of inspiration came from like? definitely oh, definitely okay uh, you know if you think about it in terms of like what I loved about Prince of Egypt I realized is like um, it's this epic awesome massive thing where like there's literal sort of magic and miracles at the end of it there's like um, fire brimstone about mm. like you know this feels like the end of the world by the end of the movie but the thing is that like the focus of the movie when you think about what it was about is about these two guys who like just really loved each other mm. you know and these two like brothers um and like when you think about the emotions you feel, they're very simple. But if you think about the experience, it felt like you were transported to another world. Mm. I think that that balance of like all, like all majesty, and like small focus drama, um, like when I think about what I loved about that movie, that brought me to that. Mm-hmm. So when I think about creating, I'm like that's for Temujin, right? I'm like that's the kind of experience that I realize. I'm drawn to. So that, that's what I mean when I say that, like, for me, it's all about, like, what do I enjoy? Mm. Why do I enjoy it? I want to share that with someone else. It's like recommending a YouTube video to someone. Wow. Um, except that instead of recommending the YouTube video, you go out and you, like, act out the video in front of your friend, um, you know, and you try not to waste their time <laughs> with your, like, short, like, seven-second production. Was it ever a bad response kind of thing? Like when yeah. you Really? Uh, for, are you talking about temperature? Like, probably any play that you've... Okay, the first play. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. like, what kind of response would they say? Like, oh, it sucked kind of thing. Or... Oh, no one no one is ever kind enough to tell you something sucks oh. <laughs> um, the first the best thing I wrote for a very long time was the first thing I wrote which was that first play the 24 hours one yeah uh-huh. I think that that one was decent and that fooled me into thinking that I might have talent um, <laughs> because and I say fooled because like after that, I think what I just described, like the making something like what you love, right, yeah. um, is the end of the process in some way. It's what you want to try to do, but mm. being able to do that is the finish line. Okay. The starting line kind of looks like you take all the stuff you love, you put something out there, then you look back at what you love, and you're like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> you know, because it's like, um, there's another thing. I forget, there's a technical name for this graph, but there's a graph that charts out like um, craft and taste. Okay. Um, and the idea is when you get better at something, right? 
your taste uh, improves method. Okay. You, you learn how to like detect what is good and what is bad. And that happens very, very quickly. But then craft mm. is much, much slower, right? It's a bit of like a, it's a steady-ish line that kind of creeps up over time. Okay. Plus it's a skill. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So craft goes up slowly, taste goes up quickly. And if you look at the difference between craft and taste, mm-hmm. that's your judgment of your own ability. Oh, sort of inc- There's a gulf between it that gets bigger and bigger. The more you learn to recognize what's good, the more you'll realize exactly how bad or how short and far away from good your stuff is wow okay you know and, and that's a normal part of any learning process but I think that's like, how hard you'll be on so yourself so like coming back to yeah. reality kind of thing is it yeah, yeah. And, and you know like to pick up what Ernie said right the idea of being hard on yourself the hard part is that you know that you're not being overly harsh you're being objective mm-hmm. uh, it's just that you have more and more objective measure to describe accurately how bad your stuff is mm. Um, and like you have to like break past that point because you know after a while your taste will plateau and your craft will Will keep getting better Mm. you know and it it, it does catch up after a while I think but that can take like years and for me it took years for me it took years and there were like two or so years so let's say that I wrote my first play in year one right Mm -hmm. year two year three I think I didn't write really anything worth any value to anybody (laughs) (laughs) and so like I did do this one play that um you know let's just say that so uh, you came up the whole play like the script everything yeah well I, I came up with the script but then i gave it to these other people and i said you know you do what you got to do you okay. know i want to i want to make sure you have your creative freedom okay i left them to their creative freedom and I, I came in to watch it when it was being staged and it was uh i was like <laughs> did i write this was this really did i did i do this <laughs> and like, i looked that? around and i was like and i saw people one guy was like nodding off uh, i heard <laughs> i heard someone <laughs> turn around to their girlfriend <laughs> and say what the Oh my god! <laughs> that was that was the that was I think the lowest point of my then career because like I think you don't realize you're the kind of person who is capable of making something that will make someone go what the fuck oh. is this until it happens and then when it happens to you you're like shit lah. But actually, so to be yeah. fair, right, the yeah. script and the acting itself both are different kind of uh, uh, elements, right? So maybe the script may be good, but if the acting sucks, then you know it kind of brings on the whole thing. So and could it be part of that? It, it it's definitely a whole combined experience. Yeah, yeah. And I think for that particular project, which I think now I'm satisfied I haven't <laughs> I haven't given enough specific um thank you, editor Ernie. Uh but the point is the point is um that even though yes, a stage play is like many different aspects. Mm-hmm. Um no, yeah. uh, so the yeah. script the script and yeah. acting are both different elements. So it could be, you know, the script is very good, yeah. but the acting is sucks. And so it may be beyond yeah, control, the control, right? So yeah. it's beyond think, the control. I think it's a good lesson mm-hmm. right yeah. because when you put something in script you have yeah. this image in your mind and then you, from your experience here you learn that everyone will perceive that same thing differently exactly yeah. you, see, you know actually that's a, that's a brilliant point um i think one of the things it taught me is that like um when you leave room for sort of when something is poorly written to me mm-hmm. it's when somebody can pick it up and go i don't really know what's happening here oh. so i'm gonna try all this stuff mm. when they're and not sure of it yeah oh, exactly okay. whereas i think one thing i took away from that is i want to make something which is clear and sort of purposeful and i definitely don't think that was a good script in terms of uh, it didn't okay, give them okay. enough I to get, go i get what you mean yeah, yeah you know and i think i prefer thinking of it in terms of how do i give them the most helpful thing possible Mm. the first time in my life i ever wrote something where i felt like my craft and my taste were perfectly aligned Mm -hmm. was temujin which i'm very lucky was also the first like public facing big thing i did even if like let's say i i staged one thing right there would always be something staged before or after it yeah that would get a bigger response and people would walk up and they would congratulate that person and i would go congratulate that person because Mm -hmm. i would always know that person um or these people uh produce something which fit my idea of good taste Mm-hmm. better than my own mm-hmm. things did. Um, and I think that the trick there is to 
you have to keep assuming you can get better. And that's, mm. that's where the optimism that we were talking about is mm. important, mm. right? Like if you're not positive, then there are so many reasons to stop going. Mm. You, know, you have to be a bit of an idiot um, to like go, okay, la, better next time. Yeah. Uh, even when all reason says you've done it eight times now and it has not been good, mm. uh, will you do it the ninth time? And for me, I'm the kind of person who, yes, I, I feel like if I, some of it is like logistics, some of it is diagnostic, some of it you do have to be sensible, mm. but a huge part of it is faith. Mm. And I think I, the luck, the best trait I've had is the faith, I think, to keep going. Awesome. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah, that's so inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was there a lot of draft that you did for Temujin? Yes. A lot? Uh, yeah, so speaking of... Uh, like you were the one that, like solely who quick, um, came up with the script and everything For yourself. that project, wow. yeah. Wow. But, but um, before that, why Temujin? Mm, that's a great question. So actually, that's, that's a very relevant question because we were talking about like the idea of like me having not written anything that I enjoyed, really. Mm. Um, and that's something I was thinking about when my best friend, Amarbold, who is like, uh, he is a history major who is from Mongolia, born oh. and raised his entire life. Okay. Came to Singapore to study at Yale and US, and we were like roommates, basically. That's nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, and you know, like um, the thing with us is like we played all the same video games, we watched all the same like YouTube channels and like all that stuff. So like, mm. uh, even though he was from Mongolia and I was from Singapore, like I think we kept forgetting that we had these cultural differences until like small moments. Like one time, I was with him in a bus. Mm-hmm. We were going to Buena Vista. He looked out and he said, "It's kind of weird that there are no camels on the road." And I'm like, "Oh my God, you really <laughs> are from? A- I forgot that you're from like a different part of the world." Um, you know. Um, <laughs> Other than that, because you guys clicked yeah. so well, right? Yeah. Like it sort of like blended together, kind of. Definitely thing. And then you lost. Wow. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Rather from a different mother. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. When we did have this one moment where we bonded over uh, Mongolian history stories, because my friend is who he is, he was able to to, to tell me, "Hey, have you checked out this?" Mm. And he knew exactly sort of what my sort of tastes and my sensibilities would be, and he knew that I would love it. I love listening to it. What was it that he introduced you? So he introduced me to the idea that Genghis Khan was more than just like a caricature. He was like, "This is a guy. This is." Somebody who he said is more interesting than Hamlet wow, in terms okay. of his drama and his psychology. And like he, w- he would tell me anecdotes like, like, did you know that he wandered around with religious advisors every night to talk about life after death? Mm. Um, and about the morality of his actions. Oh, okay. uh, did you know that he... Uh, you know, he would tell me that like, uh, he was like an orphan in an exile mm. who was taken in by like his aristocrat best friend who later in life became his worst enemy mm. um, I'd be like damn you know that that's a really like that's a sick story um, and then my first instinct was to go and like where, where can I I wonder where I can watch this where I yeah. can like and I think um, that's when I started doing a deep dive of like how has this story been told before and I was kind of shocked that like it hasn't really been told in English like, storytelling uh, there's a really good non-fiction book that I would recommend called uh, Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World Okay. and if you're an audio fan that's on Audible <laughs> reading there is pretty good I, I was kind of shocked I was, the, my first reaction was how, how has no one done this before there's a practical answer to that the practical mm. answer is um, it's based on this thing called the secret history of the Mongols which uh, is is that a book? yeah it's a book and it's, um, it's actually an ancient book um, that that was written uh, right around the time of Genghis Khan's death. And the reason it's called The Secret History is because essentially it was written for the nobility, for like the descendants of Genghis Khan. Uh, like document his legacy. And you know, that's the interesting part is that it's meant to document as much his legacy as his failure. Oh, so the idea is it goes really in depth. Uh, moments in it where he's like on the floor like in front of like his sons crying saying like don't be the kind of like bad son that I was you know and it kind of wow. it, it, it's not a flattering look a lot of the time mm. um, it showed his vulnerability it showed his vulnerability and, and that's functionally kind of what the book was meant to do is mm. uh, it, it, it reads to me um, and this is a scholarly interpretation I prefer like uh, and like he's imploring his children and his children's children to be better than he was mm. um, 
And that's that's amazing. You know, like, that's not the kind of thing you would expect from like this character, right? Yeah. That we all know. We all hear only one angle. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. And the way you're describing him is way more philosophical and more yeah. human. Yeah. Human. Yeah. More yeah, human. Word, more yeah. human. Does that mean that he's a good person? Like not necessarily. Not not any more than like Alexander the Great. Mm. Mm. Product um, of the time. Yeah. Uh, product of the time. But then maybe we can say contextualized. Mm. Um, and I think all I would say to Genghis Khan isn't that he's better than people think he is, but certainly that he was a more more human and more multidimensional mm. than people think, right? Which only makes sense because like you don't uh, you don't have the largest land empire in world history through ooga ooga booga booga alone, <laughs> right? Like that the, there there must be some thoughtfulness. Yeah, I think it's a bit of like a Oriental kind of thing to assume that like they ooga booga their way to to domination, like because so, yeah. of the people who are telling the stories. Probably. Because yes, exactly. Well, most of us think of Genghis Khan as like, like a war-mongering like tyrant you know yeah, going conqueror. around killing people yeah. you know, yeah. conquering land yeah. Yeah. And, and there was conquest um, yeah. right and conquest often like you know that it, it wasn't a pretty thing and it certainly mm. wasn't a grand humanist thing when by our standards today what I hope is by the end of the podcast you won't see him like redeemed into the perfect good guy but right. you'll understand sort of what drove him the complexities yeah and exactly and like what, what may have contributed to the outlook or that led him to what created him basically yeah um, and to not spoil the play, um, like it ends right at the point before he starts conquering mm-hmm. anywhere, and that is historically accurate. Um, and that's what the play is about: is like that that moment before he stepped out. I like how your play focused less on like the the war and the the battles and the mm-hmm. the pillaging and and more on him as a human. Yeah. If you come to films and stories just looking for a good time, there's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. right? Um, like, it's not good to be, like, pretentious about this stuff. All that's it, right? And to reel it back in uh, and to come back to the comment about, like, the idea of this being, like, a very human drama, right? I think all good stories have to be. And, and that, that just makes the big stuff better when that big stuff does happen. I, I agree with that. Like, is that why you chose to, um, take, uh, to tell the story of Genghis Khan through the, the perspective of Jammu? So you could polarize the characters. Mm. So that's a really good question. Uh. That's a really good question. And like, good on you for pointing that out. Originally, the story of Genghis Khan that we were going to tell, when Amarbold and I decided like, hey, you know, let's try this. Let's actually make this. Um, I really thought it was going to be a story about Genghis Khan. Right. And mm. uh, I started writing it from the perspective of like, uh, sort of Games of Thrones and kind of you set up your fantasy universe, kind of like zero to... Which um, would have been nice as well. Mm. Which... Yeah. which there, there are ways to make that work, but I think the thing that started getting me frustrated, and this actually comes back, it comes back to Leon's earlier question of how many drafts did I write? Mm-hmm. Because I actually wrote a version of Temujin where Temujin is only born about like 18 to 20 pages in. Oh. <laughs> you know, and that's when I realized, uh-oh, something, something is going wrong. <laughs> Cause First like, draft. Yeah, first draft, but then also like I think uh, when you have so much information to work with and you have so much, so many stories you could tell, you lose sight of like what's actually important, and this ties into the human drama thing as well. Because I thought I was just trying to adapt the story of Genghis Khan, but if you just tell stories as they are, you just have an overload of information. Mm, so the reason Jamuk came in was because um, we had this exercise that I did with a couple of my friends. We wrote down on the whiteboards um, every single thing that happened to Genghis Khan's life. Wow. From like step one nice. to like step like 48. Uh, the end of Temujin only covers like item number 12 to item number 24 in that list. Oh, but the thing is, there's so much more to, to yeah. tell actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the reason those, those 12 were selected was we circled everything that was like, oh, sure, this is a really good bit. There was originally going to be a two act thing to Temujin where act one was leading up to the Jamuk trial mm-hmm. and act two was everything that comes after so I, I i i what i thought would just be one act became 
two and a half hours <laughs> of just like sitting down, sit with it and focus on like... It's really awesome, right? How yeah. it turned out and you know, the way the podcast blew up. Yeah, yeah that was... <laughs> I think <laughs> that was definitely surprising. I it mean, it really, really blew up. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, what, what mm. was that whole experience mm. like creating the team as well and mm. getting all the recording and everything mm. together? It was really step by step. And we say that it took us four years to do. 2016, 2017, 2018... I was just writing and writing and I wrote about 90 pages of script before there was a single usable page. So there was like 90 pages of bad Temujin, including a version of Temujin. The first act of that was done um, where it was all in iambic pentameter, like Shakespearean da-da, 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 da-da. Yes, okay. (laughs) I had to count in my head to make sure that's correct. Um, And uh, some of that so if you listen carefully to Temujin, uh, I didn't I didn't manage to take out all the iambic pentameter. So some bits of it are still... Uh, but yeah. you don't notice. You don't Unless notice. you listen very carefully. Unless you listen very carefully and you're like, hey, hold on a second. And I think when the first act was done right, and when it felt good, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the one. And I felt like for the first time in my writing career, I'm like, I know this is good. And I'd never felt that before. So then I started getting really excited. So I called in like actor friends and I asked them like to start doing reads together. Mm. And like the idea was that I would sit down in a room with them. They would act it out and I would take notes and they would take notes. And then at the end of it, they would say like, "Ah, I think this could be better. I think this was, um, and we did that over and over and over and over again until all five acts were done. Um, at that point I was using this as my thesis. So we did like a, what we called a live read of Temujin. I initially wanted it to be an actual like staging. Um, but then I actually felt really sick. Uh, I had to go to the hospital because I had a heart condition flare up oh and then dear, and yeah. then simultaneously i got hepatitis uh and mono Jeez. um so i was like like it all hit fo- at once huh? all at oh, once man. so Jeez. i was like ko'd for like three weeks in the hospital bed with like intermittent 41 degree fevers when i was supposed to be doing casting 41 degrees yeah dude this, i've never yeah. had i think that's the most pain i've ever been in my life and thankfully like one one professor let me come back in even though i'd missed half the class uh if i just worked extra hard and because of that i was able to come back do that mm. and my capstone and because there was so little time left I'm like, okay, guys, let's just stand on stage with our scripts <laughs> and like perform it that way. Because mm. my gambit, right, was like me thinking like, I know this is good. I know that if we give a really spirited performance of it, even if we're just standing there, I think people will feel something. Um, and, you know, that paid off. That paid off because like when we did that read, um, I remember we had like 200 people show up each night. Wow, and okay. each night we had like a full standing ovation. Wow. Um, and these are people who like, there were no costume changes, no lights, no nothing, right? It was just them and telling the story really well. Um I think that that was a moment that got me thinking, actually, you know, like... This could go somewhere. Or, yeah. I mean, A, maybe this could... I, I always felt like it could. I think the main thing was just like, maybe we don't need all the stuff that I was really worried about because I was worried about like, uh-huh. how on earth are we going to afford a staging in Singapore, right? Like theater in Singapore, hats off, honestly, to the people who are able to make that work mm. because like venue rental is insane by the time you finished paying for where you're going to rehearse mm-hmm. and where you're going to stage the show i could have funded 10 temujins um and temujin wasn't cheap could you give like um, a price range on the venue sure like so? i mean if you're looking at it's easily five digits for a couple of nights okay including rehearsals and including getting your technicians in wow theater in singapore is really 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 tough financially mm. Mm. um and I think there were a bunch of decisions happening in my mind around that time where I'm like, I knew that I wanted this to happen. Uh, I thought it, I, I thought I wanted it to be a play, but um, you know, increasingly, I'm like, I, have, I think I should try to, to do something else because I wanted to pay everyone, right? If I was going to employ like people who had graduated, yeah. In my mind, I'm like, I can't keep asking people to work for favors, right? Yeah. And these are all your friends, right? At first, a lot of them were yeah. my friends. Yeah. Um, it's just that I happen to, I happen to think, and I still do think that. Like I, I'm lucky to have very talented friends, mm. um, because you know, like, like I was, v- I felt like they were bringing it to life mm. better than I could have imagined, and to me, that's enough. 
I don't really care about star power. I, I know there's this culture in Singapore of like, you just do like Saikang until like you make it big mm. and then you'll start getting the big bucks. But I wanted to experiment with a model where like, I don't care if they're fresh out of college. I want to pay them like full time. If they're going to be working on this, like uh, for however many hours a week, they need to be paid for however many hours a week. Mm. And the thing is, uh, when we, when I settled on like audio as a model of doing that, um, the brilliant thing about audio, and you can kind of see this like in the recording setup that we're using right now, there's not a per hour rate on us doing this, right? There isn't like, it isn't like someone's charging us to be in this space. No, you aren't charged per hour of no. DW, right? It, it, the tools exist. Um, ideally, someone like you, like if you're working for production like this, the engineer would get paid. Um, yeah, there's and, a whole bunch of things that go into it. Uh, yeah, and of yeah, course, yeah. I, I don't mean to make it sound like simple, simple. Yeah. Mm. But like in terms of like, compare that to like venue cost, rights, licensing, almost any other kind of art in Singapore. I'm like, hey, actually, this is very straightforward and any money that I spend is likely going to go directly into the pockets of the people making it mm. which is also unusual in Singapore like you give me 10k for a film it's it's evaporated before anybody even gets paid everybody will be underpaid you give me 10k for an audio drama which is what we ended up raising on Kickstarter mm-hmm. I'll be able to pay every single person in our like 20 person team full-time professional rates wow that's amazing you know yeah, yeah and I think that that really was like the big invigorating thing of like why audio right it's like not just the fact that anybody could listen to it though that was important to me as well right I'm like Unlike theater, where you know fifty or sixty dollars per person coming in just doesn't didn't doesn't feel right to me at this point in my life. Um, and I also know that for a long time I didn't go to shows in Singapore because I thought that they were for another class of person who could afford that. Mm. And I, in my head, I'm kind of like I would want a younger version of me to be able to access this, um, and I wouldn't have been able to afford that. So the idea of putting it out for free, making it like Spotify um, mm. everywhere. Yeah, your um, hours of work, everything you just put on for free for everyone to enjoy. Exactly. Um, so then the, the, the gamble was like, we release it for free. We make sure it's good. And I knew we could make it good. Um, and we make sure that everybody involved gets like paid for their time and super comfortable, like, like the kind of process we wish Singapore had more of. Mm. Just mm. because like, I think ev- everyone in the creative industry in Singapore has complained about the creative industry in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think for me, for us, we just wanted to like, what would an ideal process look like? Just do it, <laughs> get the money and do it. What was, I think, most heartening about Temujin was like, I think on all counts, that model paid off. Nice. Like mm-hmm. by the end of it, everybody's still on good terms. Everybody's still talking. Everybody's still friends. Right. The fun question, like how's the response from Mongolia? Okay, cool, <laughs> cool. Uh, we... <laughs> Uh, so we went one, to the Mongolian. One <laughs> we went to the Mongolian embassy a bunch of times actually uh, when we were working on this, and they were super supportive. Wow. They were super, super, super supportive. In fact, the uh, during one of our Kickstarter events, um, the Mongolian embassy in Singapore sent um, their one of their attaches to come down and present us with these little like okay. uh, decorative like plates to me and Amarbolt. Wow, okay. Nice. Uh, it's just like an award, is it? Or just just like just like a recognition. Like, thank like you for telling the, the story. Yeah. yeah. Are there any like harsh like historian critics like hey no this is not accurate like. I think generally I was very concerned about the historians mm. right. uh, because I considered myself a historian as well mm. um, so I did do my research and there I think thankfully the response from historians has been I can't believe you managed to include X or Y <laughs> detail. Nice. And I think one thing that I'm really proud of is the way we incorporated the female characters in the story. The, um, the wife and the, the mom. That's right. The wife and the mom. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like they have really interesting roles in that story that are kind of touched on. And they're really interesting characters. They have strong um, personalities as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that's not us. The strong personalities are there in yeah. the secret history. I think it's just that we were able to, while we were imagining kind of like Jamuk and his perspective, right? Mm. We were able to include more 
from his perspective of the women nice. um, in a way that kind of fits within historical events in a way that explains their side of things while keeping it all sort of like faithful mm. um, so and, and that was awesome like I think so uh, I was really glad to see that the biggest historical note we got was like interesting what you chose to do with the female characters and um, Jamuk in totality how many hours have you spent creating Temujin? Mm. Um, <laughs> I think easily thousands. I would love to give you the exact number. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about that now. I have, it's all tracked on my Google Calendar. I just have to go oh, really? and add oh. it up. Yes. So, so it took four yeah. years to create this. Yeah, it did. Four years and countless of drafts, countless of scripts, yeah. countless of redos. Yeah, that's right. Awesome, oh, man. You away. can really see the fruits of your labor, basically. Exactly. I want to go back one mm. step. Huh? Please. So... You were saying that, you know, on the night where you, you and your cast, you know, you, mm. your cast performed on stage with just mm. the script. But mm. you were so confident that this would work because you know that your quality is there. Mm. And when on the first night, you know, when mm. there was a standing ovation, mm. how did you feel? I felt really proud, first off, for the actors. Mm. I think just because as a writer, you're doing your job well when you're giving the actors time to really choose the scenery, mm. right? And like when, when, let's say, like the main character starts screaming out what's on his mind and you know you've earned that. Yes. And yeah. you know the audience is like, <laughs> you know, like, and, and when he's doing his bows, when you see people like flocking to him after the stage, after the, the show to go like, whoa, man. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> good you should like you know like, um i i tend there's a whole like um there's a whole art i think to what happens after a show is done the going out phase yeah. you know and the philosophy i've developed is i always need to be the last person to go out and i like going out after the crowd has gone um but i like seeing the actors get the praise they deserve mm. and i felt like a lot of people praise the actors that day and you know earlier we were talking about like the script being good versus the acting being good yeah. I think it's all one thing man I do think it's all one thing and I think you see it with TV shows as well um, right it's like when when someone is performing really really well well, like when, when a really good moment in a show happens, yeah. people are like, that actor is amazing. And when the scene isn't working, they go, that writer sucks. <laughs> you know, uh, but like, attribute to the Game of Thrones kind of thing. Exactly. That, that last season, Exactly. Right? Okay, yeah, exactly. okay, I get it. No, yeah, exactly. Like, but, you know, like, you with, with The Red Wedding, you didn't have people going, oh, those writers, man. Yeah, You're like, yeah. those actors. So I think there, there is kind of a <laughs> okay, weird okay, thing. Yeah. <laughs> but we have to remember that, like, as a writer, our job is to create good scenarios and good moments for the actors to flourish. Mm. And if we don't do that, then they don't have much to work with. Vice versa as well, right? Like if you give... Oh yeah, no lah. I do believe that if you give untrained actors a really good script, they can still do something meaningful. Mm. So I guess that's my bias lah. <laughs> um, I think I really thought up until like the week beforehand, maybe cannot lah. Um, so I was really lucky that mm. we had just enough time for me to like finish the script. Um, and even then, we, re we rewrote it a few more times before the audio drama came out just because there's always something to improve. Uh, I was feeling a lot of weight and heaviness of like, this is like the prototype did well. Now I got to make something with this, mm. right? Because otherwise this will be the peak. Yeah. And I didn't want that to be the peak. So I was very conscious of like, if I can't capitalize on this, it means nothing. Yeah. Mm. It means something, but it, it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. I yeah. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. But I mean, kudos to you, man. Like seriously, this is like a straight out of a movie kind of thing. You know, the guy who puts in everything, his passion. You know, he's mm -hmm. not being paid for. It. He just wants to do it for mm -hmm. the sake of doing it because he mm -hmm. he truly loves what he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. And then he gets his bunch of friends come along, all on volunteer work, you know, all helping. Yeah, him. and you did it all with your friends. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, hundred percent. I think that yeah. I'm almost more proud of that. That's than a my rare effort. thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I think, 
Um, and the trick to working with friends that I've learned is that you always have to ask yourself what, what they're getting out of it. Yeah. Because, and I think this is something we take for granted in Singapore, is like, if someone agrees to do something, then they do it now because they give you their word. But like, mm. the thing is that there's always something being strained. And if you don't know what is being strained, then it's probably the friendship which is being strained, mm. right? Yeah. Or it's probably yeah. goodwill. So, so what's next for the team and Temujin and everything? Uh, right, so uh, we, we did launch this company, which is, uh, we, we're calling it Andas Productions. Um, and right now, we've been learning, basically, how, we've been trying to imagine how a media company in Singapore can work. Mm-hmm. That is kind of like, has the ethos of like, one of the many youth theatre groups that we have here, which, which do do good work. <laughs> do do. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a better way of saying that. <laughs> That's, oh. the kind of, that's the kind of jokes Joel likes. The thing with Temujin that I was very conscious of is I didn't make any money with it. Mm. I, I, I didn't want to make money with it. I wanted to make like a strong statement mm. uh, that this is who we are, this is what we're capable of. Sort of let that lead before we try to like get money from anybody. Mm. So even yeah. the funds that you raised also like Temujin, you didn't cover that? Or something? Oh, I didn't allocate anything to myself. Oh, um, okay. Everything went to the cast. The cast. production. Yeah. Even on Spotify or so? Like you so, yeah. I, I, you'll notice that there, there's no ads activated on it. Oh. Um, and that, that was a conscious choice. Yeah. Um, mm. The second and third thing that we have to do, and this is kind of what we're going through now, is like there has to be a model and um, four-pronged model where it's like um, part of it is we want to do audio storytelling workshops Okay. Uh, for schools, uh, schools, events, private students, like a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and we have a curriculum. But we're just trying to figure out now like, what's the best way to go about reaching people who want to learn about like, how to make something like Temujin. Mm. That's one thing we're thinking of. Uh, we're also thinking of like um, audio and game. Every creative decision is a business decision. Mm. And in our context, every business decision is a creative decision, right? So mm. we could keep making audio dramas, um, but audio dramas are typically considered lost leaders, which okay. is to say you make an audio drama to raise awareness of something. Mm. And even though money is lost making the audio drama, um, it's possible to recoup money uh, by way of the thing that was raised awareness for. So mm. to give you an example, um, maybe a company wants to release a TV show soon based on a true story. And they approach us and they say, hey, uh, would you like to do an audio drama based on this true story? We'll give you the rights. We'll give you all the money you need to do it. Mm-hmm. You can pay everyone on your team. Uh, and then all you have to do is like make this audio drama and shout us out. Um, mm. So we have a few of those happening right now, actually. Nice. Oh, okay. We have a couple of those where we were reached out to by like pretty exciting like intellectual property. Mm. And we have like exciting rights holders, exciting distributors. A lot of that was due to Temujin having done well. Mm. Um, a portfolio, basically. Yeah, right. And then you guys already have the skills and all the connections and you've proven that you can do everything nicely. Uh, one step at a time, right? We, yeah. we, we got to Temujin. It, we certainly didn't know everything that we were doing when we started Temujin. Mm. Um, by the end of it, yes, we did. Which is why the next thing has to be in some ways kind of like something we have to learn as well. Mm. No, but I like your mindset of uh, after achieving a certain success level, mm. like when your play was... Success. Mm-hmm. You didn't think of like, oh, this is it. I'm gonna enjoy the success. I'm gonna feel mm-hmm. feel the vibes. And you know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I did it. You thought of like, okay, um, this is not the peak. How will I go further from here? Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I think uh, brought you to to where you are. Mm-hmm. And Thanks. and not only that, you also didn't really go in that comfort zone where people tend to go to where like. Mm-hmm. They find a bit of success and they just keep doing that same thing. Yeah, exactly. Like you mentioned just now, you, you want your next thing needs to be similar but also incorporate something that you know nothing about. <laughs> you know, and I think that's 
a key thing for your success mm. you know thanks man yeah. <laughs> and now you're expanding into you know uncharted territories gaming in in, in an accent so you're yeah. always innovating creating new things yeah. so other than just sticking on just audio drama and stuff. yeah that's the hope yeah. that's that's, that's hope. a big thing man yeah. even though like you mentioned it's luck and timing and all that but i think this outside of comfort zone thing is something a lot of singaporeans struggle with even yeah. three of yeah. us you know yeah. you find it hard to get it <laughs> on the boat and do things yeah, yeah. And, and like yeah, pretty fearless yeah. in that sense, you know. I don't know, man. I would I wouldn't say fearless. In fact, one thing that I want to come back to, um, like early on when Ivan said that, like, uh, it, it is noteworthy that, like, at that moment, I couldn't enjoy the good thing that was happening because I was too busy thinking of the next step, right? Mm, right. That that's a good thing, yes. And I do agree that, like, it ties into the optimism thing, right? I am a pretty positive person, mm. and I think part of that has to do with like imagining how things could be better. Uh, but that's a blessing and a curse as well, because like if you're not able to stop and go like this is good, uh, you will go mad. And yeah. I feel like uh, that point in my life, I would say I was fixating on how things could be better to an unhealthy degree, mm. right? Because I think I should have been able to step back and go like this is good for yeah. a second. I think that's a good thing because if you're able to celebrate milestones, then you don't put an unhealthy amount of expectation to the result, right? Because, and I think one thing that, that has definitely been proven is that like the result is a crapshoot half the time. Like imagine like if Temujin, for instance, if I had fallen sick yeah. again near the recording date, uh, right. yeah, so easily everything could have just like what if one of my actors uh, was having serious issues with his parents' health and mm. maybe he may have needed to pull out at, at some point mm. and who could blame him if he did but then the project would have tanked mm. you know like um, and then the end result again would poof disappear yeah. um, you know like I, I think if I was unable to celebrate that one good moment and the end result didn't happen I would be even more heartbroken so I think yeah it, th there's a real skill I think to learning how to go I know I'm not at the end point yet but this is good nice yes, that's yeah. true yeah, yeah. To prevent yeah. burnout from yeah, you know man. And yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a great message to end off. I mean, we, mm. we've done close to one and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, it goes by fast. Some you yeah, know yeah, yeah, conversation, yeah. <laughs> but really, really inspiring stuff. Man. Yeah, like seriously. And Excellent. like you said, I think it's good to step back and just pat yourself on the back. I think you did an amazing job. Like really, really. Oh, this has been a good time. <laughs> like this has been really fun. Thanks yeah. for and coming like, and sharing a little bit. You know, I I like following people that I've met over the years and then see how. They, success they find success in a way you know mm -hmm. and then i personally learn from it and i just observe 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 mm -hmm. and it's good to see la. and no you're doing a bit I'm more than observing like <laughs> literally we're sitting here with audio equipment and like a setting that like you've put together <laughs> so i think give yourself some credit as well like yeah, you're doing more than just sitting you're not the asian mafia that we all thought you were huh? <laughs> <laughs> Any any last things that you want to say, you know, shout out or anything? No, I'm just really I'm, I'm really grateful that you guys like invited me here today. I had a really good time talking with y'all. Thanks yeah. for coming. On How you. about your social media? <laughs> company, uh, something to share on. <laughs> um, listen to Temujin, and if you enjoy <laughs> Temujin, drop us in iTunes or, I mean, you know what we were just talking earlier about like um, finding a Singapore audience, right? Right. Like if you're someone from Singapore who wants to do anything like Temujin mm -hmm. and you enjoyed it, um, a please feel free to hit me up. Um, I have a website, roshansingsambi.com, and there's contact information there. And if you find yourself trying to make a project like this, hit me up. Me and my team are always really happy to like help other people try and do this. And the second thing is like, yeah, it would mean the world if you like told other people that you enjoyed it. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Right. If you like what you hear, check us out on Drunken Ramblings Podcast, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Music. 
Apple Podcast， 我写嚟睇下，即系唔会 Sophie 吓 ，OK，Spotify、Apple Podcast、Facebook、Instagram。All right, thanks guys. See you next week. Drunken rambling.